You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports. Featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcast Detroit Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Whitney. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. Welcome to the Undercard, everybody. We are officially episode 297. 297. Uh, the official date is February 12th, 2019, as we correct move along. Uh, we're going to start off the show on... Two days before Valentine's Day. I know. And yet, again, I'm single. Oh, boy. Wah, wah, wah. Well, why don't you <laughs> hang out with your friends and have a Galentine's Day? Uh, well, we have a show in the morning. <laughs> And then I have to work. So, yeah. I'd, I mean, even if I did have a date, I wouldn't be much of anything anyways, because I wouldn't be able to do anything until late that night anyways. But Casino's open 24 hours. The That's what right. is? Casino, casino and the buffet. Oh, the casino? Yeah. Oh. Casino and the buffet. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a casino guy. No? No. I mean, I'm just, if I want to lose money, I'll just spend it on something I'm actually going to use. Because, I mean, you know, it's not like you win money at the casino. Ads are stacked against you. I beg to differ. Well, I mean, you know, luck. luck if you have enough luck, you can win at the casino. But I I have uh, no luck. So, or if I have any kind of luck, it's bad luck. So I don't usually win at the casino. I mean, occasionally I do. But We were waiting for somebody uh, to arrive in Las Vegas and... Me and the guy that just, well, Vegas is completely different than Motor City, right? Correct. Casinos, yeah. Um, and it started off with the mechanical little fake horses, and okay, uh, which are we, rigged. I think we put money on forty to one. Was it forty to one or something like that? I wasn't there, and uh, <laughs> we hit. And the joke became, we knew a guy that knew that horse. Okay. Then what happened was we were Gave actually steroids. We were actually betting on real horses at the sports book, and he kept hitting. Like oh, he okay. just like no matter what yeah. he picked, he had the would, Midas touch. He did. Yeah. He was riding a hot streak where like nice. I was just like, you can't not bet yeah. no more. <laughs> it wore off for me after the mechanical horses. I, I would pick them. Like I, I, mean, I just couldn't do it. I mean, anymore. I've won at the casino. I've won at slots. I've played poker. I played blackjack, and you know, I've won. Right. Uh, but I mean, ninety-five percent of the time you're going to lose if you go to the casino. So I might, I might as well spend my money on something that I actually am going to use or, you know, keep more than just hey, I had a great five minutes at the casino. I was with a former boxer. His name's Eric, uh, and we were going across. No, no, former boxer. Oh, former and boxer. Uh, I was telling him about how good the breakfast is at Hooters Casino, which is across the street from MGM, but not on the strip. And um, I got playing blackjack, and I was only down like 160, but I mean 160, it's like time to walk away. Right. And as we were walking back out the casino to go go across the, the, the bridge over back to uh, MGM, 
all the slot machines were off except one. And so what I did is I, I, I said, you know what, fuck it. Instead of turning in uh, these chips, I'm just going to like play the rest of it out on uh-huh. the the slots. And then I actually made back the money and I think another 50. Nice. So then we walked. Right. But yeah. I didn't have the luck that this one gentleman had. It was just absolutely crazy. It was just like, I, I just, I don't, I don't even know if he should have went to the fights. That's how hot he was. It would just be like, keep, keep, keep going, dude. Right. And it started off with, like I said, the fake horse races. And then it moved on to like real horse races. And he did very well for himself. Good for him. All because we were waiting on somebody whose flight landed, I believe, at nine. And he still didn't show up until like twelve twenty two. Oh wow! And if you know anything about Vegas, the airport is really close to MGM Grand oh, Casino. Yeah. So I have no idea where he did, except that I know that the big scam. I've been going there for a long time. The big scam is if you don't know to tell them to take you up the strip, they will take you on the highway and yeah. go all the way up and then back all the way around just to run up a tab. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think that happened to that gentleman that night. But yeah. um, the guy we were waiting on was Eric. And yeah. so, but yeah, but we enjoyed amazing cheesy eggs, amazing uh, bacon, amazing, like that, that breakfast was just so greasy. It was ridiculous. Mm. It wasn't at, there's like other restaurants in there. I'm trying to think what the name of the restaurant is, but um, it's just not all Hooters in there, but it was really good breakfast and we enjoyed it. And then no, like, I'm hungry, <laughs> but blackjack, like, you know, 10, 11 in the morning is not, not a good idea anyway. No, Cause your brain's not quite awake then. No one's playing too. It's right. just you and the fucking dealer. Yeah. And just, it's, you know, it's, House it's always wins. It's like fucking war. It's yeah. just like, you know, but, uh, but I did want to start off the show on a sad note. Um, yeah. so Michael Reiser, who, if you've been with us for a little bit, has become more part of the show. And we've, uh, dedicated his name, uh, the ultimate fan. I actually looked back and I, it's rare that you know when you actually met somebody. But Facebook, if there is some advantages to Facebook, it's actually good. I actually got to know when I actually met him. So it was uh, August, October 26, 2017. So okay. we exchanged and he you ended up on our show. show. Right? Yeah, and, uh, and I ended I, up on one of his, I think. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, you met him. At a uh, boxer and MMA event, right? No, no. Oh, I met him no. through Podcast Detroit. Oh, you met him at the studio. Correct, okay. yeah. He was a storm chaser. Right, yeah. And I mean, Twister yeah. is one of my favorite movies of all <laughs> fucking time. And so, you know. Cow. We just, Another you know, cow. You know, and, and so it starts off as just, you know, hey, you, you come to our show and, and, you know, and, and it goes from there. And then from there, um, I believe I was on his anniversary show. And we had him back because we were so fascinated about his life and how much right. he, and how much he did. But he was a huge MMA fan, and right, so yeah. from there, um, as Rochelle will tell you, I probably talked to I don't know maybe four people a week, like consistently, in which I'll call him a couple times a day. Turns out Mike and me uh, were U of M guys. Uh, not only U of M guys, uh, he had a son that was young and he was an MMA fan. He actually knew more about MMA than I did. And that's why I thought he would be key to our, our show. We started letting him pick with us and, mm-hmm. um, he kind of started to become family. And at minimum, like I said, I would talk to him once a week, probably even a little bit more. And, um, so when I was in Vegas, this trip we're talking about, 
I uh, talked to Mike uh, for the last time, and I had to get into the elevators to MGM Grand, and he said he wasn't feeling too well. I didn't think too much of it. I knew he had the flu, and uh, when I came back, I started talking to what I thought was Mike, and it turns out it was his wife, and things um, just didn't go well for Mike from there, and uh, he passed. Mm -hmm. And all I can say is that um, he was an amazing guy, and I know Cody... Got to know him really quickly. Uh, my good friend Greg uh, Weir, uh, who helped start the undercard with his contributions with Goomba Music and stuff like that, uh, he got to know Mike very well. And the the funny thing is when I introduced uh, – so Mike came out to an event at Eastern Michigan, and Mike was looking for like a new career change, and I knew Greg had connections, and I introduced the two. And um, I had grabbed my first lunch with Mike at one time, and Mike wasn't working at the time. And But Mike insisted that he would pay for our meal, and it was at a very expensive restaurant. And I felt, I was like, no, I, I'm going to pay for it. He's like, I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to pay for it. So I talked to Greg um, a little bit after, and their idea of a job interview was to go grab dinner. And Greg told me the exact same thing is that Michael insisted that he paid for it and wouldn't let Greg pick up the tab. And Greg thought that was weird. And we now look back on it and just think that's just the type of guy that Mike was. He would seriously do anything for anybody. He lived an amazing life. Um, as short as it is, I mean, all I can say is cheers. I mean, he accomplished a lot in mm. the 31 years that he uh, was on this planet, and he will definitely be missed by us, and he will be forever Team Hunger Card. So going forward, we don't forget people that uh, we lose, and so we are going to call our picks every week the Mike Riser picks because um, he was big into it. He liked it. He loved being part of the show. Uh, he told me, I uh, believe maybe in December, that you know we we were talking things to do, and he basically wanted bare minimum. He just wanted to be around Jimmy, wanted to be around Rochelle, wanted to be around Cody, wanted to be a part of something, and that made me feel good, you know. So hopefully, mutually, you know, we had a great friendship, and so we we wish him the best on the other side, and we'll see him soon. And uh, we will be posting throughout the week. The family still needs money. And, uh, you know, he uh, has been cremated, but uh, he has a very young son and they are going to need support. And I know me and Cody, Jimmy's been working on a play, but me and Cody have been trying to brainstorm and I'm sure Rochelle's going to get on it. And I promise you, you will not hear us forget about him. And so going forward when we make our picks and we didn't even make picks when he was sick because I just didn't feel right to make picks while he wasn't sick. But going forward, it'll be like the Michael Reiser picks. Memorial make, picks. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll do a trophy and we'll put plaques and see who's ahead every month. We'll do something very special for him. And uh, next week, I, I want to try to have somebody from a storm chasing team. And it's just crazy to think that somebody – who lived such a adventurous adrenaline life, uh, you know, just you would think that maybe that was the dangerous part. And then just life is just so weird sometimes. And uh, life will get you no matter, you know. Yeah. It's so random. Yeah. It so, really is. So we've been down this whole week and, uh, you know, just trying to think what 
uh, we can do to to remember him, and um, you know, and also it also goes back to the fact that you know you just never know when the last time you're going to talk to somebody. If clearly, I knew it was the last time I'd have talked to Mike. I'd have stayed on my hotel floor and you know talked to him a little bit more. But I had to get in an elevator shaft and unfortunately hang up on him. And, and you know, from there I thought it was just something simple. But uh, Mike will be missed forever. So we say cheers. Uh, you know, we'll see you soon on the other side. And we'll go to a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to break down some boxing. We do have uh, Matt Frendo. He's going to be talking about Lights Out Championship. But uh, simple uh, cheers to cheers. uh Cheers to Mike. Yeah, cheers. Complete life. You're listening to The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. Welcome back to The Undercard, everybody. We are going to be joined by Matt Frendo here. We're going to be calling him in two seconds. Through the power of Facebook. Wonder if he has an evil twin somewhere called Matt Enemy Doe. I have to ask him. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it ring. We hear it ring all the time, is then they just don't answer. Hello. Matt, you're live on the air with the undercard. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good. We are joined by Matt Frendo, founder of Lights Out Championship. He's got a big fight happening this Saturday, February 16th at the Delta Plex with If You've Never Been There is actually a great venue to watch. Doors, 6 p.m., fights at 7 p.m. How you doing? Man, I just got stuck in my driveway coming home from work, so... Uh, you know, it's definitely, I've been better for sure. <laughs> oh shit. From the weather? Yeah. We got killed with snow over here. I mean, we probably got five or six inches today. Ugh. Oh, I don't get a plot or anything today. So I just came home. I've been at work since 9am and, uh, got stuck. So I'm after we're done, I'm shoveling my car out. Oh, I'm so sorry. We'll keep Ugh. it short. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the main event. A uh, couple heavyweight bangers there. Obviously, Josh Parisian's very popular. Tell us a little bit about this main event and why you think um, Michigan needs to see it. I, I think it's a great main event. Well, the the Parisian and uh, Martin is actually the co-main. Oh, my bad. Um, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, they're fighting for the heavyweight title. And, you know, this is – I think this is a pretty clear-cut, um, you know, number one versus number two in the state. I think they're they're both – some of the top ranked in the Midwest. Um, obviously, Parisian has has tasted UFC. You know, he he went in there, got an awesome knockout, spinning back fist in the Contender Series. Um, you know, he, he got in the Ultimate Fighter and it didn't go his way, but he's definitely on the radar of the UFC. And uh, you know, a couple more big wins, maybe one. You know, this could be the one that that gets him that call. You know, if not this one, probably one more, and he's in. Um, you know, and you got Brett Martin, who's a who's a really good up and comer. You know, he's five one and one. Um, I, I always view him as six and one because that that DQ was kind of bullshit. But um, you know, I think these guys are just they're they're at the top of the, the top of the division in, in the Midwest, and 
both guys being from Michigan, um, you know, I just I don't think you can get a bigger heavyweight title fight than this. I think it's it's good for everybody. It's good for both these guys' careers. Uh, it's big for the state. It's big for the region. Uh, and it's it's a fight that, that definitely could uh, catapult one of these guys into a big show, or at least on the on the main radar of a big show. Now let's talk about the main event uh, from Hastings, Michigan. Cross is going against Cuppy. Uh, these guys don't really hate, really like each other. Tell us about how this fight originated. Was it something that one of them approached to you, or did you just know that there'd be some bad blood between these guys and it made sense? Well, originally I had Ken booked against somebody else, and uh, the, the fight kind of fell through. And I never really even considered Corey because I didn't think he wanted to cut to 165. I know he's, he's been fighting at 185. Um, I know he's taken some fights at 170 in the past, and I, and I remembered he did fight at 165 against Mike Kamita a few years back. And, uh, you know, I contacted him, and, uh, you know, Corey had been hitting me up about wanting to fight Devin Smith, and uh, I think the schedule didn't line up. But Devin had a couple fights booked, so, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, able to work out on that fight. But, um, you know, it's uh, when I hit Corey up, I just kept sitting here, like, salivating over the fact of a press conference between these two guys because their personalities and their characters, it's literally like the Michigan's version of Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Um, <laughs> Kenny's a super, super flamboyant, always screaming, always yelling, in your face, uh, his high energy, his shit talk, um, you know, and, and uh, the Cubby brothers kind of emulate the Diaz brothers. You know, they want to fight you anytime, anywhere. He wants to smack Kenny in his mouth, open palm. Um, you know, it's it's a the the press conference this past weekend was really intense. They said some crazy things to each other. Uh, I'm glad we had security there uh, because I think things could have definitely got out of hand. And I think there's 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 times where guys will sell a fight just to you know kind of get their sales up or, or get hype going. I think they're doing a good job of that, but I also think these guys really don't like each other. Um, and I think they're more alike than they think they are. And I think that really bugs those guys. And um, this fight's going to be incredible. And it's it's the first ever super lightweight championship in Michigan. So uh, there's a little bit of history on the line as well as a nice belt. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great fight. Now, one, <laughs> once again, we're talking about February 16th at the Delta Plex. It is the uh, Lights Out Championship 2. Uh, happening doors at six, uh, uh, fights at seven, uh, tickets are still available. Uh, so I was so impressed the first show I had been to, uh, of yours and how much, you know, detail goes into it. I understand there's chaos behind the scenes and you're probably running around, but, um, how, how, how do you like build off that? Do you, do you have a list that you and your wife kind of go off that off where you kind of like, Oh, next I want to do this. Because, I mean, you're, as far as I know, you're the only one that puts um, bonuses out in public that, hey, if you win a fight by, uh, you know, knockout of the night and stuff. I have seen promoters do it behind people's backs and been privy of conversations that I can't admit where I've heard them say that. But you, you kind of have some fight of the night bonuses kind of kind of thing going on how, how do you come up with these ideas are you kind of just something you would want if you were a fighter or you just a genuinely good guy which i kind of think it's half and half well i think the big thing is um you know when everything I, you know i worked for the other promotion and i i've seen a lot of things of what what worked i've seen a lot of things what didn't work 
Um, and the way everything happened with that and, and all the controversy that went down and, you know, I took some heat from that and I wanted to, um, you know, continue doing shows and I wanted to do things that people weren't doing. Um, I wanted to find a way to give back to fighters. So, you know, the knockout bonus, um, you know, I'm working on some, some things like submission of the night, performance of the night. Um, I wanted to start with knockout of the night because, um, you know, that's what people want to see. You know, the fans like it. Um, it's more incentive for guys to go out there and maybe put on a little bit more of a show. You know, at the end of the day, these guys got to win a fight regardless, but I think this adds some incentive um, for guys want to finish the fight. Um, you know, doing things like that, doing things like, you know, giving guys fighter kits and, you know, dumping money into promotional videos. And, um, you know, I think we make the most graphic uh, promotion material in the state. I'm always give you know, every guy gets their own individual poster, a tail of the tape poster. You know, we just did the fight card poster with everybody on the fight card. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just really trying to, I understand you have to invest money to make money. And I, I truly do want to make money doing this, but I also want to make sure that all these fighters, my staff, everybody makes money enough to where they actually enjoy doing this. And it's not just like, Oh, you know, I got to take this fight for a little bit of money. Like, you know, I, I want the fighters to actually feel like they're um, being appreciated and getting paid what they feel they're worth at the time. And I want my staff to not think of it as a job. Like I want them to come and show up on fight night and be like, this is awesome. I'm getting paid to do something I actually really like, and I'm happy with my pay. Um, you know, everybody could always uh, hope to make more money. And, and the more money that the promotion makes, the more money these fighters and my staff are going to make because I, I, I'm not greedy. I give the money back out. So, um you know, that's just what it's about for me. I'm just trying to make sure that everybody's experience with Lights Out is good and, and people generally want to come back and they're not just coming back because they feel like they have to. So, Now, your card's pretty stacked, and I messed up saying the Parisian was the main event, but it's, it's cross versus cuppy. But um, I've always been fascinated. As a promoter, how do you figure out order? Is it is it ticket sales? Is it what you think will be the most competitive, exciting fight? What kind of goes in your mind as you as you plan out corners, uh, red corner, blue corner, and the order of the night? Obviously, if it's a pro am show, the Ammies go first. But what goes through your mind when you're when you're trying to figure out the order of fights? Because let's be on on a local level, you know, it's not like enormous names that are always main events. So how, I mean, when you had Cody Stamen, obviously he's an obvious main event, but how, how do you, how do you kind of figure it out as you're working through your first few cards with lights out? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously your ticket sellers are probably going to be more towards the end of the night. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a higher selling amateur, you're mostly going to be towards the end of the amateur card. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into it, you know? So one of the challenges I came into with this card is, um, Eric Lozano's gym, I've got, I think five of his amateurs on the card. So, you know, I try and be respectful and give these guys enough time to warm up. So I'm not trying to put guys back to back on the same team. So that plays a factor into it as I try and space it out far enough to where, um, you know, the same, the same team isn't fighting back to back. Um, and then as far as the pros go, it's a little bit different. You know, obviously you want your, your main seller to be towards the it works out for everybody, but also too, at the pro level, um, I, I like to kick the night off with a really good pro fight. 
Um, not that there's any of them that I don't think are good, but I think that there's, you know, like for example, this card, my first pro fight of the night is um, Kaleo Romero versus Jonas Flock. And um, neither of these guys are from Michigan. Jonas Flock is from Team Alpha Male in Sacramento. And Jonas Flock is from Pira Vida uh, over in Milwaukee. And these guys are two of the very best in the, in the lightweight division. And that's a fight that would, could, I mean, it could have easily been a main event on my card. It would be a main event on a lot of cards. Um, and they're going first, not just because they're not from Michigan, but because that's a kick-ass fight and that's going to set the pro card off right. So there's a lot of different factors to go into it. Um, you know, as far as red corner, blue corner, um, I always like to try and keep the hometown guy coming out second. Uh, you know, that's just kind of a perk of fighting towards your, home, your hometown. And also, you've probably got the majority of the fans there for the hometown guy or somebody who's closer than somebody who's traveling from farther away. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't put a crazy amount of time into the actual corners and who comes out first. But, yeah, as far as the order goes, it's, there's so many different factors to go into it. And, um, you know, I just I, I try and uh, put the best mixture that I can on the card. Now, uh, although we are different people, we, we have similar lifestyles in which I live this 24-7, and I know because you're launching a promotion, you live it 24-7. Does your uh, beautiful wife, do you, have, do you have days in which you can't talk about fighting? Because even sometimes with Rochelle, I'll tell her I won't start talking about fighting. Like, I'll be like, Sunday, no fighting. And the next thing you know, I'm talking about fighting. It just it just always comes up. Do you guys have time? Yeah, it'll be like, um, no, I just let me say this one thing, and then I'm done for the rest of the day. <laughs> right? Do you do you guys have like yeah. blocks of time where you cannot talk fighting? Does she give you like, hey, two to six? That's no fight time. Uh, I think she would love that. We <laughs> I don't have anything yet, but she's always yelling at me about it because. Um, you know, she honestly, she's not that bad anymore. When I first was doing this and I first really started diving into it with the old promotion, uh, we would fight a lot because um, she she craves attention. She She's one of those females that, uh, she you know, she wants your attention. And I'm always on my phone. I'm always uh, doing things for the fights and whatever. And she's adapted really, really well. You know, she's she's gotten over a lot of it. There's still those days where, you know, I'll be on the phone or whatever, and, you know, she'll grab my phone if I'm talking to a fighter, and she'll say, oh, he's got business hours. It's past those hours. Call back tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, like, she she definitely gets her she gets her, her days where, you know, she's not having it. But she understands that, um, you know, this is, this is what my passion is. This is what I love to do. And um, she's taken a different approach with, with Lights Out. She's actually been... Um, a lot more willing to help. You know, it wasn't like she wasn't previously, but she's been more hands-on with things and and helping me stay organized and getting a lot of things done. And um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I do have to do a better job of that. So, like, I do let this consume literally my entire life. I mean, I work a regular job as well. I work fifty hours a week on top of this. So she really doesn't um, have a, a a lot of time that she gets just just for me and, and her and. I definitely do need to do a better job of that because as much as I do love this, you know, I don't want to sit back and regret, um, you know, not spending enough time with her or, um, you know, stuff like that. So I think there, there will be a, uh, business hours implemented at some point, but as of right now, I don't have any. 
All right, my man. Well, I'm going to let you shovel out your car. I will see you this weekend. Once again, it's Saturday, <laughs> Saturday February 16th, Lights Out Championship 2. Uh, no one does it better than Matt out there, and it's at the Delta Plex, doors at 6, uh, fights at 7. I'll see you this weekend, my man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with the car there. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, four to six inches out there. What the shit? Well, I mean, they're getting they're getting the snow while we're getting in the freezing rain, sleet, and ice. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's been raining all day. It was freezing raining this morning. It's gonna be raining all day tonight, or most of tonight, and then turning into snow for the morning. So mm-hmm. they're getting all that stuff that you know is on our way here. So right, but it'll dissipate a little before it gets here. Um, so yeah, I mean, four to six inches isn't that much though. I don't know what he was complaining about. <laughs> I mean, honestly, four to six inches, that's like half a foot. That's not even a foot. Well, girls, girls complain about four to six inches, but more no, normally, they don't. normally it's like not they, they too don't. big of a deal. Well, I was going to say they complain about four to six inches because you tell them it's eight. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, it's it, not. It's 10 with the shadow on the wall. <laughs> it's huge. It's nine inch nail there, baby. So that's why you don't tell them. You just whip out the Magnum, man. You just say <laughs> you don't have to say anything. You just whip that out, and they know. Be like, might not be enough room. Hold on. <laughs> no, I, back to the promoter thing. It's yeah. weird because every promoter's just every human's different, right? But I've ran into promoters that think because if it goes to decision, it's a good fight and it means it's matched well. But sometimes it, even though it you goes still to want decision, that right? Yeah. So it, that's exciting. I'm always curious how they judge their cards after because I, I'll tell Rochelle what I think a show is. I'll be like, oh, that's a C plus show. That's a yeah. B minus show. Um, so I was just, I'm always curious what their measuring stick is. Is like, well, what, you know, what, how much what makes a good show? Make? Huh? How much money did they make and how many people are going to come back to their next show? That's I think, a litmus test. I think Matt's got something super special going on there. Oh, I'm not and, saying he does. I'm saying, but that's, if you're a promoter, that's your litmus test. Right. How, the the show, is it enough to bring people back to the next one? Right. Is it exciting? You know, was there a, a, a good balance between technical, like good, even matched fights and fights that just were exciting, you know? Because yeah. you need both of them. You can't have one. Too much of one or too much of the other, because then it just becomes monotonous. Yeah. You gotta have you gotta have that fight that's like, you know, that all out war of attrition kind of fight. Then you also need to have that like technical, like, you know, it doesn't seem exciting, but to anybody who knows the sport, it was a great, you know, even jujitsu match or ground match or, you know, chess match or whatever, and then you got the, you know, just come out flying knee and the guy goes down and you pull him into the ground kind of fight, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to have all those, you know, to have a good, to have a good card. No, I you know? agree. If you, I mean, if you look at like UFC, Bellator, Ryzen, you know, uh, Pride when it was around, like that's, that's the cards that they had. They had, you know, the good fights, they had the exciting fights, they had the technical fights, and they had the even match fights. And that's what made them good promotions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what was I going to say to you, too? Also, what were you going to say? Uh, I think that, you know, sometimes, sometimes even like um, anything you work on in life ahead of time, maybe even your play beforehand, 
you look at it differently and on paper it looks good and then the end result might not be exactly what you want and i think as a promoter then you learn okay well well no <clears throat> i mean not with a play because a play is you know <clears throat> a, <clears throat> excuse me a card a boxing mma anything like that it's so unpredictable you can't predict what the fights are going to be like. Yeah, on paper it looks good because, you know, this guy's 6 and 1, this guy's 6 and 1. They're both technically, you know, proficient in wrestling. You know, this guy's good at a good stand-up game. This guy's good good de- got a good defense game. It should be a good evenly matched. And then one random hit and the guy goes down, the fight's over in 30 seconds. You can't predict that. You know, with a play or something like that, everything. Yeah, and there's some things that happen during a performance when you get a live audience that you didn't anticipate like in hamlet like it's a very uh it's a very um uh i don't want to call it sad show but it's a it's a deep show yeah it's very uh you know introspective um there's a lot you know it covers a lot of different bases but there's humor in it too and you don't continue with him really quick i gotta run somewhere really quick and you and you don't uh, and you don't expect you know when you're rehearsing it you know the humor but then you rehearse it so much you forget about the humor until you have that live audience who laughs at one of the characters' lines and you're like oh yeah I forgot that line is actually kind of funny excuse me so it's different it's different between you know a fight kind of show where you can't predict what's going to happen because it's just you know so random versus a a production or something like that where you've rehearsed everybody knows their lines everybody stands in the same spot everybody knows the motions everybody you know it's very meticulously set out and yes there is a natural flow to it because that's what good acting is but at the same time there's not a whole lot of surprises. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't even know if it was the first or second performance. Uh, one of the swords in the fight scene broke, not during the actual fight scene. Thank God. Uh, it broke immediately after, uh, when Hamlet was dying or, or something like that. But, you know, that's not something that you can anticipate. So and it wasn't even something as a fight choreographer I even thought about. Like, hey, what if one of the swords breaks during the fight? So after that happened, we had to have a contingency and plan in place and go, OK, so if one of the swords breaks during an actual fight, this is what you guys are going to do to make it actually work. So I don't know where Brad went. Why, why does he do this? We're gonna we're gonna rip on Brad for a minute since he just walked out the door. Okay. He does this. You have my attention. Okay, he does he does this. He just like oh okay, just continue talking. I'm not gonna you know I'm just gonna want to walk over this way. His or, beer is empty. His okay. beer is empty. His iPad's there. He left his phone, mm. but he was looking at the iPad. I think before he left, I think he was on Facebook Messenger. So I'm wondering if maybe somebody's here. That we don't know, or maybe he had to go to the bathroom, or maybe he needed to go get another beer, or maybe he was hungry and he wanted to go to order some food. I don't know. Oh, that's no, the thing ate with it. he that, ate some. I know that's the thing with Brad, though. You never know what you're gonna get because he's he doesn't give. Okay, again, the, okay, we're gonna use Brad as an example of the difference between uh a a uh, uh, uh like a show like a boxing or an MMA show and like a theatrical show okay 
If this was planned like a theatrical show, we would have production meetings. Everybody involved would know ahead of time, hey, we're going to talk about this. These are going to be our topics. These are going to be our guests. This is going to kind of be the structure of what we're going to do. But it's not. It's more like a boxing or MMA show where everybody's just kind of like, okay, we have a general idea what's going on, but we don't know really what's going on because it's all random because Brad throws curveballs every now and then and goes, you know, Brad will just be talking. He won't but say. But all will be right with the world. But I'll be right with the world because <laughs> Brad, Brad will just go, okay, so like he'll just be talking and he'll know in his head. Like, hey, after I'm done talking about this particular subject, I want to go to a break. And that's in his mind. But he doesn't relay that to anybody in the studio. He doesn't relay that to anybody in the studio. So he'll be talking and all of a sudden he'll go, okay, so now we're going to take a break. And Rochelle, poor Rochelle over there has got to scramble to try to like load up a song. We're going to call someone right now. Yeah, we're going to call somebody right now. No phone number. No. No, no. See, I got Matt's number before we we Right, right. Yeah. Because you've learned. You've learned over the years not to trust Brad to give you that stuff ahead of time. Well, he had been planning. He had actually been planning uh, a little bit yesterday because he had wrote down a whole schedule for himself today. Okay. Yeah, he can't. He doesn't know how to open the door. <laughs> That's the other thing. How long have we been here? It doesn't matter. It's the same code that it was. I know. It's been for years. <laughs> Don't kill yourself. I. I you know. I, did you go I, poop? What did you do? Why did you leave us? What happened? I've not had spicy food, I think, (laughs) in about four weeks, and uh, that chicken was spicy. He's like, he's like, okay, so I'm like, his beer is empty. He's like, yeah, but his iPad's here and his phone's here. I'm like, like, but he was messaging somebody on the iPad, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, no, he's taking a shit. (laughs) That was a fast shit, though. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, it was spicy food. I mean, it's gonna come. Yeah, out but fast. still, I mean, even when I have spicy food, like it takes me a while because no. I can't guarantee I'm done. You know, what's no, your, that's yeah. the first what's, time that's happened your, in six years. Line? What? What's your favorite line? What's your favorite line? It was a good poop. What? A what poop? Oh, what a poop! <laughs> what a poop! I, I tell you, though, if what I poop. that's your favorite line. What a poop! Every, no, no, no. But time. if. I wait. Oh, after you're done. Oh. If you wait, it's like a shuttle landing back when you only had certain windows to get them back into Earth atmosphere. You remember, like, if they missed the window? Yeah. yeah. Like, I really do believe that when with number twos. Like, if, no. you, if you miss it, it could be up there for, like, years. And then, like, fuck. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, So, yeah. like, when it's calling. Yeah. I'm going to no. go take care of it and not worry about, like, But see, that's just hours. for 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 me. I can't because if I'm going to commit to that, I got to commit to being at. <laughs> seriously, I got to commit to being on the toilet for about 20 minutes. Oh, shit. Bare minimum because oh, once it starts, it I can't guarantee it's going to stop. Right. Because it'll just keep on going. And sometimes, no, sometimes, you know, it's it's right away. And But I sit there because I'm like, I don't know if I'm done. So I got to wait. I got to see. So I think that has to do with my IBS. I don't, I don't, I don't know. need to know all of this. <laughs> I'm just telling you that was a. I've not eaten a lot of spicy food lately. I I, I can't eat. I can't eat a lot of spicy food, and I really like. I'm upset by that because I do like spicy food, but spicy food is not like me. But have you ever watched? And it's something that I've recently started watching 
fairly recently called The Hot Ones on YouTube. I've, I Sean Evans, it. he yeah, has I've celebrities on. They eat spicy wings. Yeah, yeah. With all the different like the Scoville oh. starts at like fifteen hundred, which is just like you know like sriracha, uh-huh. and goes goes all the way up to like two million plus, and like like they and they eat the wings and he he interviews them and it's just funny watching these celebrities like and you can watch like the progression like oh yeah that's pretty good mm, I can taste the onions and the garlic in here and then right about like the midway point they're like okay. All right, it's a little spicy, and then they hit the bomb, and as soon as they hit the bomb, it's a slow burn, and then it hits you. So you're like, they're like, okay, okay. So yeah, I'm talking, and all of a sudden, just like, boom, like it hits them. They're like, uh. <laughs> it's you got to watch it. It's so called, you know the levels. What is the Scoville sh- levels? So I'm sure a doctor says something over this is probably not good for you. So what? so for me, because I have all the stomach issues. Yeah. I could eat anything up to about uh, thirty thousand on the Scoville level, and not and like I would have to take antacids. I could eat up to thirty thousand on the Scoville level, uh, if I took an. Well, let me rephrase that. I could do thirty thousand on the Scoville level and still be okay mm-hmm. without taking an antacid. I could do up to a hundred thousand on the Scoville level, and as long as I took an antacid beforehand, I would be okay. Anything over 200,000 on the Scoville level, I would probably end up like having really bad adverse reactions. And anything above like 500,000, I'd probably end up in the hospital. Now, what's the level that you have to wear gloves and can't even breathe it? Uh, probably. Two million plus. Two million plus. Yeah, million. that the the two million plus. Uh, the the one that is called the hot ones. It's called the last dab. It's one of the ones that they actually made. It's two million plus. Um, that one you um, uh, uh, that one I think is made out of the ghost peppers, uh, or whatever the really really like seriously hot pepper is like. Is a it's just so acidic is what what it is, but they they do a really good job of mixing it so it doesn't it's not just burning for the sake of burning. It's you know if you were to eat a ghost pepper by itself, it's just burning for the sake of burning. This balances it so it actually is tasty, but it's still just so freaking hot. You know, I mean it's it's where's buffalo hot. sauce on it because buffalo, buffalo would is be like not very hot, like but people seven hundred and fifty, yeah, like Mild. sriracha maybe fifteen hundred. Okay. Yeah, like not much at all. Like your normal, like okay. So I'll give you an example. Like if you go to a, a Thai restaurant, right? They're they're uh, um, like if you go to a Thai restaurant, and you order chicken pad Thai, and you ask for uh, like no spice, you still have spice because you just can't not have spice by ordering from a Thai restaurant. So you're gonna get like about a like maybe a five hundred on the Scoville level, just from it being in the same restaurant as all these spices, right? Mm-hmm. When you order just a little bit of spice, you're probably looking at about a thousand. When you order it um, mild, you're probably looking at about twenty five hundred. When you're look when you ask it for it spicy, you're looking at probably about fifty thousand to a hundred thousand. And when you ask it for like hot. Then you're looking at probably about five hundred thousand on the school. I level. wonder what that chicken is that we get down there because it's pretty fucking hot. And if you catch a seed, it well, what is it made out of? Though I can, I mean, I could probably tell you what it is. What what the chicken's made out? They just ask, do you want it hot? Right, spicy, but I'm saying, you know? but what is their spice? 
Like, what is it that makes it the spicy? You got it from the Thai place. I don't know. But I caught a seed, and it was like a whole new world. They had, yeah. It had, like, the red skinny pepper on it, though. Yeah. So you're probably looking at, like, a, like a fire pepper or, like, um, something like that. You're probably looking at about, I'd probably say 20, mm, I'd say probably about 250,000, depending on... I'm a wimp. On, on depending on what it is. I mean, if you're not used to spicy foods, though, I mean, you you have people. I used to love you have it. People, I know, but got you got away people, from it. Though you have people that are on the show that like they eat spicy food for a living. Yeah, and when they get to like the one million mark, they're hurting. Like even there, they are hurting. So I mean, you know, I'd say the spiciest food an average person would eat would probably be no higher than five hundred thousand on the Scoville level. An average person. I'm not so saying. So, what's the pros do after they eat it to like get? I know you're not supposed milk. to drink something. Milk. 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 Uh, anything uh, that's basic that takes down the acidity. Um, milk's pretty good. Uh, also, ice cream. Uh, but you want ice cream that has a lot of fat in it because the fat is actually. So, when you drink milk, don't drink skim milk. You want to drink vitamin D milk or whole milk because it's the fat that actually counteracts the caustic nature of the, the spices. All right. Yeah. You know who would actually be able to, to tell you more about this is uh, Rick Pratt because yeah. he knows all that stuff. He makes like chili out of like ghost peppers and all that kind of stuff. He would be the actual as- expert on like. All of that kind of stuff. I just know from the research that I've done online. Yeah, remember that night? Yeah, but it, it's become like a fad now. Like, but it, it uh, is because it's fun to watch people suffer. Try to do it. Right? Yeah. Even Shaquille O'Neal ate a potato chip that was in some bag. That yeah. But no, if you ever get level. a chance, if you ever get a chance, um, watch. Uh, it's called Hot Ones or Now We Feast. I think it's the channel and the Hot Ones is the show. I think they're on season eight now. They have like maybe about, I'd say like ten or twelve episodes each season, so you can go through and just find like celebrities that you're interested in. They've had so many different celebrities on there, like Kevin Hart. Um, the uh, there was a guy uh, he was on Mad TV. Um, I can't think of his name. He's on Community. Um, uh, he uh, he was hilarious because. <laughs> I really think he shat his pants on on the episode. Like right. he was in such pain, he, I think he let one go. Like and it like messed it. <laughs> yeah, Dude, he messed himself a little bit. The anxiety. Um, Gordon Ramsay was a great episode. Was it? Gordon Ramsay was a great episode. Yeah, and and because you know they try to you know cater to uh, Natalie Portman was a good one, but uh, they also will allow you to do. You can either it's all on chicken wings. Uh, and they'll have vegan chicken wings yeah, for anybody so. who's not, you know, uh, who's a vegetarian or whatever. Uh, but Rachel Ray horrible. was on it, and she didn't actually eat the chicken wings. What she did was she took a spoon, and she put a little bit of each sauce on the spoon uh-huh. and then tasted it. Um, and that's how she did it because she didn't want to actually eat anything. So it's Perfect. it's a good it's a good thing to watch. It's funny to watch, and it's honestly it's like the the research that they do and the and the questions that he asks. Like even the celebrities are like, "Wow, you really did a deep dive." Like <laughs> you know, like he knew like Seth Meyers was on uh, the most recent episode, and he talked about Seth Meyers working at this restaurant 
in like New Jersey or something like that. And he's like, wow, like you really did a deep dive, like in my background, like they're very thorough in, 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 you know, in the, the questions that he asked them. So awesome. Yeah. Let's go to our last break. And then we're going to try to track down Cody. This time I do have to make a phone call <laughs> and uh, we'll be back. It's only eight o'clock. You're listening to the undercard hand combat radio. Welcome back to the Undercard, everybody. We are going to be joined by fellow co-host Cody Stamen via the magic of Skype. It's so jazz. It's jazzy sounding. You know. A little Jack White. Hello? Cody, you're live on the air with the undercard. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, so, since we've last been in studio together, you uh, have a fight announcement, which, I mean, everyone kind of knows, but we'll let you do the honors. <coughs> Go for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, fighting uh, Alejandro Perez, March 2nd, UFC 235 in Las Vegas. Uh, I think... He's a number 12 guy in the UFC. Tough uh, Mexican dude, striker. Uh, yeah, and then I got a beat up. Very cool. So how how this fight come about? Um, it is a little bit short notice, not, a, not your typical camp. Would you, I think you found out about, what, four weeks out? Um, was it uh, they were looking to add to the 235 card, or was it just they, they wanted to get you back into action and they approached you like, hey, let's let's make this fight happen? So his previous opponent got uh, hurt. So, uh, I mean, uh, it was like, I think he got hurt at five weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been begging for a fight, begging for a fight, so... Yeah, my manager uh, plugged me when the opportunity came up, and you know I was I was willing and ready to to step up. I mean, four weeks. You know, I had actually been planning on fighting March 23rd, so technically I'd been in fight camp, you know, for a couple weeks already when I got the phone call. So uh, short notice, you know, compared to a normal eight week camp. But realistically, for me, I've been you know training my butt off since uh, my last fight. Now, uh, the the benefits of taking a fight on short notice with UFC is that you do have a little bit more leverage when it comes to the payday. Uh, uh, that has to be good, so I'm sure you're enjoying that. But tell us what appeals to you about fighting Perez. I, I don't care about rankings. What would you like that is going to show Stamen uh, is here to stay with this fight? Well, it, the the one thing I, you know I really really like about about this fight uh, in particular, uh, Perez, my opponent, um, the fact that he's an orthodox guy, and he's my height, so um, you know that's not something that happens very often for me. I just, I get you know I've had a lot of kind of like 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 I I think I said uh, in an interview earlier or yesterday uh, I've had a lot of like stylist nightmares. Um, like guys that are just weird, that are really unnatural, really hard guys to mimic in the gym. But Perez is kind of a bread and butter guy. He's orthodox. He's my height. He throws a lot of the same stuff I see every day in the gym. So um, for me, it was like I didn't really have to like do that much to like specifically get ready for him. You know what I mean? So uh, compared to like guy like Ultimate Sterling, who is a really really funky guy, does a lot of really weird stuff. You got to train different. Definitely for a guy like that, where 
you know, fighting Perez, I just feel like I just got to go in there as sharp as I can, and and uh, I already know, you know, how to fight someone like him. Plus, you are undefeated in Las Vegas with the UFC, and you're going back to Las Vegas again uh, to fight in uh, for oh, Mil. I, I, for- I did think about that too. I'm like, you know what? Las Vegas has been really good to me. I thought like as soon as I found out we were fighting in Vegas, I was like, you know what? Las Vegas has been really good to me, man. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go back there and freaking and uh, be somebody up and catch a check. Now, Jimmy's a little bit bitter. I'll let Jimmy express why he's a little bit bitter. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I just, I had to find out about your fight through social media, through, like, friend of a friend. Wah, wah, didn't get a text wah. message, didn't get a Facebook message or anything. It was like, oh, I guess Cody got a fight. So, if if you were, if you were, like, Brad, you basically uh, <laughs> asked me like every every uh, every hour on the every hour. Other day, <laughs> fight coming up. I told I told him I was like, listen, you're gonna be the first person to know before I tell my mom. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. So you know, it's just it's just about really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, putting your time in the way Brad did. Uh huh. Every single day when my next fight is. Uh huh. I promise you. You'll well, I mean, I'm just thinking. I'm just figuring. You know, I'm just figuring. I'm just figuring. You know, with our Facebook group messages or whatever, it might have slipped in there. Like, hey, I got a fight, but no, it's all right. I got to learn it through social media. Jimmy doesn't understand that my camp starts as soon as your last fight ended, and I start working on the keyboard and get my my uh, fingers strengthened so I can text you every second and be like, "When's your next fight?" He doesn't understand that I was we were, in an eight-week camp we're, we're, asking you about it. We were, we were debating something, though, so we can almost guarantee Brad was number two uh, to find out about your fight. Was Sydney number one? No, I mean, Brad was literally, I found out. Uh, well, well, well. I actually got my, actually got my contract. Um, I think he was. I don't think anyone else found out before him. Okay. I literally like. I think I had a missed message from him. <laughs> like, I, I, checked my, I checked my email, and then I I literally like checked my messages. Yeah. And the first message I saw was a message from Brad, and I was okay in fighting. But so, see, I'm not gonna be. Out. Yeah. But see, here's my whole thing. You're a very busy man. You have a life. I'm not going to sit there and pester you every two seconds like Brad and take up your valuable time. I just expected to know, you know, before the rest of the world. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In my, in my defense, honestly, I didn't know that the UFC was going to announce it. They okay. Don't tell me when they're going to announce it or when I can tell people. Or gotcha. When, All right. When, uh, so, like, when... I got, I randomly got tagged. My buddy, Jesse Bazzi was watching the fight and he randomly tagged me in something that he like screenshotted on the TV about how I was fighting. At this I time. think that's and what I, was I saw was, was that tag. Yeah. 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 And I had no idea. They okay. It. All right. I'll forgive you this time, Cody, but and next I, time. And oh, I think man. pestering is a very strong <laughs> word to use. I wasn't pestering. I was curious and there's a big difference. Uh, if you send more than five messages a day, it's pestering. <laughs> If I didn't know you, then maybe then it would be possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a random guy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel honored that I was number one. We were a little concerned I might have been number two behind Sydney, but 
We, we, we figured I was ahead of your mom because that's all you promised. You were like, you will know before my mom. And I came in here and I was like, I think I was first to know. But then we realized you didn't say I'd be first to know. You said I'd be ahead of your mom. So then we thought Sydney might have slipped in first. But I feel good that I'm first. It feels good. I'm going to walk, walk out of the studio with a smile on my face. Jesus. First overall. For first overall pick, exactly. Well, I'm super excited for this fight. Um, unfortunately, the Arnold's freaking going on yeah. and shit. But um, damn it, uh, I feel very confident. Like you said, when, when I went back as soon as you told me who you're fighting, and I looked at this and I was like, "Wow, this is a really good matchup for Cody." And then I really do like that it's back in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena, a place you're familiar with. So when is the actual fight? March second. March second. Okay. Yep. Two thirty-five. Two thirty-five. It'll be yeah. It'll be live on my fight. It'll be aired live on ESPN. So. Okay. I mean, you to, uh, uh, so March second. Uh, so we need. This is what we need to do. We need to plan for our 300th episode to happen the Tuesday after March second. I'll be back off of surgery. You'll be back from the Arnold. Cody will have won UFC 235, and we'll have 300 all at the exact same time. I can make that happen. All right. There we and, go. And there is one more stipulation going on here. You were on uh, Sirius XM Radio, and they were talking food. Uh, actually, <laughs> actually burgers. You you actually were on my dash, like at, at Channel ninety three, and it said uh, fight. You know, uh, oh, yeah. and it, it said Cody Stamen on it. I even took a picture. It said Cody Stamen on my little dash, and um, they just call you to ask you what kind of burger you like. First off, you 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 said Burger King because when you grew up, you thought it was a good burger. But I thought it was an awesome opportunity to give Rochelle's lasagna some love, <laughs> and you didn't. But now you said if you win and you get the mic from Joe Rogan or uh, whoever, uh, Rochelle's lasagna is going to get national love. So we're <laughs> we're, we're laughing about that now too. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm yeah, no, you don't have to write it down, dude. You, you're gonna have you're gonna have Darren or whoever's in your corner hand you a piece of paper. It's like, yeah, I'd like to thank. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, I gotta thank uh, my my teammates. I got the Rochelle's lasagna. Rochelle's lasagna. Rochelle's lasagna. Yeah, Cel- yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. No, no. Next time someone just puts you on the spot like that, because I could tell they were just calling fighters to talk about like burgers and stuff. You just change that back right. over to Rochelle's lasagna. You'd be like, you know what? I know you guys exactly. want to talk burgers, but I want to talk lasagna. You right know what? Now. I'm the star. You called me. I will dictate how the conversation goes. That's right. You'd be like that. Well, uh, we're super excited for UFC 235. I'm sure we're going to talk to you a few times before the fight. Um, you take care. Right. Rest up, man. All right. Well, I will. I'm gonna go uh, jump in a hot bath right now. I'm all banged up. All right, right my man. Take care. Hey, that's Cody Stamen confirming. I was told first. I don't actually. You know what? It was like once a week. I would ask him. By the way, it was not like every day. And I, the reason I like I thought this might happen, and then sure enough, it it happened, but I'm very happy because it's a great matchup for him. It's in Vegas. It's everything. But we really wanted to plan to go, and, and there were some really unique opportunities. It was either Philly or Nashville, wasn't mm-hmm. it, Rochelle? Yeah. Where, so you're like, okay, those are very East Coast time, um, you know, just, you know, 
perfect perfect settings and stuff like this, but this is a much better opportunity. And I will tell you something. So when you take a fight on short notice, UFC has to back up that brick truck and pay you. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's gonna make a good paycheck yeah. and I was telling fun. him, you know, I've been playing UFC three for a while now. All he's gotta do is just head kick once and then overhand right and the guy goes down and you win i like it that's how i win every single fight it's so easy i I don't understand why people don't do it i like i like that you know it's like you're you're scouting out through uh ufc3 i like that the best part um so what are your thoughts on ufc3 and going forward what do you want to see improve with the game okay so ufc ufc3 is one of the first ufc games that i've actually purchased i've played uh, my nephews have USC, I think one or maybe two, uh, for the Xbox, and I don't, and I don't play Xbox, so I had a hard time with the controls. Um, the one thing that for me, uh, because I'm not really like I have a hard time, like the stand up stuff, I'm good at. Right. When I get down to the ground, I usually just back off. Like I try to get much, out of it. Too much transitioning. Well, it's not even trans. It's too much transitioning, but it's also too complex to try to get the different moves. Like I understand. Okay, if I want to get this move in, I need to get the, into side control. Or if I want to do this move, I need to get into mount. Or if I want, you know, if I and I understand the transitioning, so I'm really good at that. But I'll always transition myself out of the ground because I don't understand their submission. The thing. circle. The- well, I don't. I just don't get it. Like it told me like how you do a submission, and I would try to do that, and it still wouldn't work. Like it would never work. I couldn't defend, and I couldn't land one, no matter how many times I tried to do it. So I would never try a submission. So I, the way that I fight in the game is, I stand up, I knock them down. If they look like they're hurt, I'll jump on top of them, ground and pound. If they don't look like they're hurt, I'll let them stand up, beat them up some more, let them fall down, and then ground and pound them, or just knock them out standing up or whatever. But I think there needs to be, going forward, the submission, I think there should be an option to where you only have to press, once you get in the position for the submission, you only have to push one button to lock in the submission. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, or, you know, maybe like a multi-button tap to, like, force their arm or do whatever. I could understand that, but it's just way too complex right now to 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 get that submission in. You got to, like, press this way and then press that way, and then you got to move that and you got to move that. And it's just, like, I can never do it because it's just, I don't understand it. Nice. Like, And I've even gone through the tutorials multiple times. Right. Go through, like, the, um, uh, like, when you train. Um, in your camp or whatever, the learn or whatever, I'll try to learn the submission moves and I can't, I just can never do it because what they tell you to do and what I try to do never syncs up. So I just, I'm not a, I, I think they need to simplify, allow it to be complex for those that like it, but also allow the option in the option menus to, make submissions like simple where once you get into side mount, you want to get into a Kimura, like, you just literally get in a side mount, and then when you t- touch the button, it'll say Kimura, press the triangle, you press the triangle, and then all of a sudden you'll get into a Kimura or something. Okay, so how would how would you want to see the person below it defending it? So say me and you are going against each other. So if it's that easy for you, right, right. what do I got to do? So then basically what it comes into is, but- is button mashing, button mashing, where it would be defend the Kimura, 
or attack the Kimura, and it's just button mashing. Just how many times can you tap it in order to sink that in or or defend it? Or maybe like you tap it in, like um, uh, you tap it in so so many times, and then it'll allow the person to try to escape it, and then it's a quick like. You gotta now press the 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 circle button. Yeah, and then you gotta tap it a couple times, and then if they escape it, you gotta press the the X button. And then if they if they back it off enough, then the submission fails, and they can transition or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That, to to me, that's the only issue that I have with it. Um, I also think that there are a couple of people uh, that are in it that are just a little too OP. Um, overpowered. Um, I think they're not indicative of their, and it's not the big names either. It's these guys that just really like are kind of no. I want. I don't want to say nobodies, but they're kind of like lower down. But they hit you once and you fall down. Like no, no. These guys, they're just they're too OP. Mm-hmm. You know, they're too OP for that level. Now, if you were fighting like you know. Um, like Conor McGregor or, you know, somebody like up, you know, on a high level or whatever, and they hit you once, then, yeah, okay, I can understand that if they catch you just right. But some of these lower guys that, no, if they hit you once, you you might get rocked and you might stumble backwards. And if you can't defend yourself, then, yeah, they might be able to knock you out. But just one hit and you go down, that's a little too overpowered. So Now, uh I know you've been busy with your play, but did you watch yes. the Super Bowl commercials? I did. Okay, so uh, Avengers very weak, very like, weak, and I was so upset. Not revealing. I that. was guaranteed. I was guaranteed that there would be something for the new Star Wars movie. I think everybody was. And there it was wasn't. all over the internet. I know, and, and there it didn't wasn't. Happen. And I was very upset because there was no reason for me to watch the Super Bowl except for to watch the commercials for the new Avengers and the new Star Wars. And there was nothing. What was your favorite commercial? <sighs> um, man, there were there were, there were a couple of good ones. That, I thought like, it was the worst year ever. Well, no, I mean there were a couple of good ones. I liked the I liked I liked the Hyundai commercial with uh, Jason Bateman. That one made me laugh out loud. I don't even know if I saw that one. Yeah, where he's the elevator guy. And a uh, very snarky elevator guy. That one was kind of good. Shit, I don't um, think I saw that one. I liked, uh, I liked the one from the Washington Post, where about journalism. Yeah, like th- that was that powerful. One, yeah, that was powerful. Um, uh, there was a, there was one other one that I was like, okay, that was pretty decent. But for the most part, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Wasn't a fan of the halftime show. It was okay. Oh, good God, no. It was and put okay, your shirt on. but I mean, well, I mean, you know, the women like they're it. Just, no. So, no, know, they really no. like that. Have you seen the memes that have come out from oh, that, I know, though? they're great. It's hilarious. These fat guys, you know, right, like Antarctica yeah. or Wherever Canada. they're from because right, it's exactly. in California. I know. It made me laugh. That that was the best thing to come out of that performance. Oh, um, I just, the whole thing, the whole, the whole game, the commercials, the halftime show is just, so blah, yeah. You know, my just favorite really was. I, I like the. You're right. The uh, Washington Post is easily the best commercial, yeah. but not your typical Super Bowl commercial. No, also not your typical Super Bowl commercial. But I thought was very clever. 
was just Andy Warhol, which was actually taken that was that was pretty taken good, yeah. from one of his shit movies yeah. because he made a lot of shit yeah. movies of him just eating a Whopper yeah. and trying to put the Heinz ketchup yeah. on it and then just biting it. Yeah, that what people don't know that is like a twenty-two minute movie that they took that from. But like yeah. the be eat like Andy, I thought yeah. it was cute. I, I again, that was a that was a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> there were a couple of them that I was. I was like, they were the best of the worst. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, I'm trying to remember some. I, I don't know. I've I think I've just forgotten most of them. Uh, um, one of the big papers, and I can't remember, wrote that because we're in this very PC moment in our history. Yeah. That a lot of the humor was taken out. And yeah. You saw a lot of pro female yeah. uh, commercials, yeah, which was a lot. good. I mean, but typically the Super Bowl commercials have been like. Hyper masculinity commercials or over the top funny, the old right. Aflac ones. You know, oh, they yeah. just it it just kind of you know yeah, even no, the it, game was defensive. It just you know until the end, it was just like you know it was it was all right. Whatever. Yeah, it was just a very blah Super Bowl all around. I just don't understand why so much is made about that. And and they were their opening was every other sport you got to win four in the finals you got to win basketball you got to but in football you got to win one right um I don't like that either I, I I like that I feel confident in a best of seven the best baseball team typically wins and I like the excitement of uh, having multiple games I don't yeah, like the don't idea think, of one game Nah, I don't I don't mm, I don't. I mean, there's no way to do it with football. No, I know. The, the there week. really isn't. I honestly think that we don't need championship things. No. Oh, I, I mean. Participation I, ribbons? What? Not a participation ribbon, ribbons, but just like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think professional sports just really doesn't need to be around anymore. Ah, uh, but I baseball mean, does. Eh, baseball does. Come on. I More think, than ever, I think this I think, country needs I baseball. Think, uh, I think uh, professional sports just like I think professional sports should be st- okay. Let me rephrase that. I think professional sports should be still around, but I don't think it should be televised. I think you need to actually physically go to the games. To if you really want to watch a game, you need to go to the games. But at the same time, they need to line the pockets. Well, they need to. Well, that's but what I'm saying is they need to then at the same time, they need to bring the ticket prices down. They need to stop paying these athletes millions of dollars for just being able to throw a ball well. And all that money that people are blowing on sports can go to, you know, things that are actually worthwhile, like infrastructure and education and you know things of those natures because there, there there's all this money that's floating around floating around that's lining the pockets of these millionaires that could be put to better use you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and if they're not spending it on that they're going to spend it on something else so let's spend it on infrastructure and education and science and exploration and you know making sure that we have a sustainable world for humanity for the next thousands of years you know mm-hmm. things of that nature that's right. where this money should be going not to sports not to sports and it, and at the same time i even like like with movies i don't think people should be making millions of dollars on movies i think you know 
pay your actors well, pay your directors, your cinematographers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Pay them decent. Don't like underpay them. Pay them decent. But I don't think people should be making millions of dollars per movie, per episode of a TV show. I think that all that money that they're getting paid should should be funneled into other things. And then you bring the ticket prices down. But okay, but assuming that the studios still make a ton of money, I always believe you are worth your market value. No, and whatever I, but you I'm, are, but I'm saying I'm is, never so going to fault say, you for getting right, what you're worth. But but let me so but this is what you do: you pay them what they're worth, but you don't charge people twenty dollars a ticket. You pay, charge them yeah. like two dollars a ticket. You still pay the the actors equivalent. Of what they're bringing in, but it's at a lower number because people are paying less money to be able to see them. And that $18 that that person has now saved from, you know, going to see Tom Cruise in the umpteenth million uh, Mission Impossible movie can now be spent on, you know, groceries for their kids or infrastructure or education or science or things of that nature. Yeah, you know who's good at disguising that is video games. Speaking of video games, because like when we were a kid to buy like one of the top Nintendo games, it was like $35. Right. And then you go, okay, well, you could get a lot of games for 49 now, 59 or 69, the top well, one 69. But it's the add-ons that they have when you get in the game right. that well, can make it a $200 game. Right. And then and the, Bye bye bye. Well, and the reason for that is is because I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 10, 15 years ago, all of the uh, video game companies, they actually sat down and they actually locked market price for all video games going forward. You cannot charge more than an X amount of dollars for a video game. Price ceiling. Price ceiling, right. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, you can never charge more than like, like at launch, it can never be more than like, I think it was like 16 or $59 or whatever. But these studios were making these huge games. So what they were doing was they were releasing a smaller game at launch and then releasing the rest of it later on exactly. because they were making a giant game and they needed to make their money back, but they knew they couldn't charge more for that game at, at launch. So they're going to do it through DLCs and add-ons and, and whatever. And it also allows people to have longevity with the game. Cause for instance, like when we were growing up, you know, like uh, I'll give you an example, like final fantasy seven, one of the best selling games of all time, final fantasy seven, you bought the game, you beat the game, that was it. Yep. You never got anything extra. Now, you buy an RPG type game like that, you beat it and you wait a couple of months and now there's an add-on. So now there's another story. There's more and it adds longevity to the game, replayability to the game, but it also keeps the studios employed. It keeps um uh you know people paying money for a game that normally once the sales are done a, they're done now yeah. there's sales that are keep going as long as DLCs keep breaking out and it allows them to grab, get in revenue so they can now work on the next project you yes. know so yeah it's a it's the same thing but video games is one of those things where they're the money that the studios are making is actually not as much as that you think compared to what they could be making because all the studios agreed to the price seal 10, 15 years ago. Right. 
All right, let's wrap up this show. We will be back. Uh, I don't know. We're going to figure out how to get the 300th episode right after the Arnold. So um, we don't want to go over, but I think I think we'd still be right. I think we might still be right. We're going to we'll figure see. it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah, have we, to, we'll make sure that everybody's here for the 300th episode. We got to sit around and powwow on it and figure it out and see if we can, uh, uh, you know, basically, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think in my head. I, I kind of well, know this. Yeah. Well, I don't. So if we are really at 87, 97, 97, then next we week would be 98. 98. Then that one after 90, that would be 99, and then it would the be the one after would be 300. 300. Yeah. And that would work perfect. Yeah. Sure. All right. We're going yeah. through. All right. We're going through. All right. We'll see everybody next week. Take care.